Hey, and welcome to the Big Bass Podcast, the fishing show where size matters. I'm Ken Duke. I'm here in my Brown Bait Company t-shirt, courtesy of Brendan Brown at iCast. Thank you for that, Brendan. And here's my partner. And I'm Terry Batiste. Our producer and engineer is Nathan Benson. In this episode of the Big Bass Podcast, we take a deep dive into one of the oldest state records in the country, Michigan's largemouth bass record. That's right, Terry. The Michigan largemouth record is actually a tie between two fish caught in 1934 and 1959, respectively. The 1934 catch is the second oldest in the United States, behind only Georgia. And the 1959 catch would rank as the fourth oldest if it weren't a tie. It's been a very long time since anyone in the Wolverine state truly threatened the state largemouth record. Yeah, and it was just a, a few weeks ago that we covered the Wisconsin largemouth and smallmouth records, another state that's gone a long time uh, without a change in its records book. Uh, Michigan's lar largemouth uh, mark is, is pretty interesting, considering it was first established in 1934 with a catch. Uh, we have a fair amount of information about it, and we'll tell you everything you might want to know right now. That's right, Terry, 1934. The, I'm going to call it the record because that's one of the interesting things about the, the Michigan State Largemouth Record. The record gets set by an angler named William J. Maloney. He catches a fish in 1934 that weighs 11 pounds, 15 ounces. And the state lists this fish. They round off and they, they use decimals for the catch. They, they call it 11.94 pounds. And what's funny to me is... Uh, in one of those early 1930s newspaper reports, they listed the weight of the fish when it was uh, had been cleaned and dressed. And they say after it had been cleaned, it weighed uh, 9 pounds. And this fish was 27 inches long, 25 and 3 quarter inches in girth. Yep. Yeah. Now, Maloney... Uh, the Detroit Free Pet, the Detroit Free Press, the big newspaper in Michigan at the time... Uh, was holding a fishing contest uh, back in the 30s, and they held it, as a matter of fact, for decades after. We'll talk more about it in a moment. But there was a contest, and and Maloney submitted the fish to uh, to the Detroit Free Press so he could win the contest and the prizes associated with it. Uh, but before he did that, he submitted it to his local newspaper, which is the Grand Rapids Herald. And uh, he told the story of that when he submitted it to the Detroit paper. And he said, the fish was exhibited to the staff of the Grand Rapids Herald, and weights and measurements were verified by Pete Peterson, the outdoor ed editor. That's a perfect name for an outdoor editor, I think, Pete Peterson. And John F. Wurz, the managing editor. The scales used to weigh the fish were tested and sealed. The fish was caught in about three to four feet of water near shore. Inside the fish, this is, this is interesting to me, inside the fish, Maloney said, were a few large bones. Perhaps the remains of a large bullfrog, a couple of partly digested fish, and a freshly eaten bluegill measuring seven and three-quarter inches long. That's pretty precise stuff, Terry. Pretty precise to tell a story of his catch. Well, yeah. I mean, he, he wanted to win this thing, and he wanted to make sure that he had all of his T's crossed and his I's dotted. Um, you know, if they're he giving away this... a rod and reel, I mean, yeah, yeah he, uh, he... I, I haven't gone and figured out exactly what the prize was, but 
um, he was after it. No, no question about that. And the day he mm -hmm. caught this fish was a Tuesday, June 25th, 1934. He caught it at 4.30 a.m. on opening day of their bass season. So there's every chance, Terry, that the state mm -hmm. record largemouth was the very first fish caught on opening day of 1934. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's possible, but if you ever grew up or spent any time in Michigan, I, those guys will be out there fishing at 12.01 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're nuts. So maybe it was the first fish point. caught of, maybe it was the first fish caught, but uh, I honestly doubt it. So what That's else do we know about point. the fish? Now, well, hey, we're right up your alley here because that fish was caught on a, an enormously popular lure of its time. And I want you to tell everybody about that bait. Yeah, so the fish was caught on the South Bend Bassarino. Uh, the, the Bassarino was the first plug lure to reach one million in sales. Uh, that was documented. It was made by South Bend uh, Bait Company out of South Bend, Indiana. But uh, the lure didn't get its start at the South Bend Bait Company. Uh, it, was, it was originally uh, made by a gentleman by the name of J.S. Olds, who I believe lived in Michigan. And as soon as he got the patent, he sold the patent and the rights to South Bend. And that was in 1915. And South Bend took that and ran with it. And from the get-go, it was an enormously uh, popular lure because it caught fish. Now, it's essentially, it, if you look at one, uh, they, they stopped making them in 2006, I believe, when Rapala took over lure jensen uh lure jensen had bought it and uh when it when it was taken over by by rapala uh they quit making it but it was made for nearly 100 years so anyway a little bit about uh you know south bend bait company is it was started in 1901 by a gentleman by the name of frank warden and if you are familiar with the warden name uh it's been associated with fishing uh since before the, the 1900s. Uh, so uh, Frank Warden starts this company called the Warden Bait Company in 1901. Uh, and then in 1905, he changes the name to the Wooden Bucktail Manufacturing Company. Then in 1906, a man by the name of Jake, Jacob Kuntz, uh, owner of the South Bend Dowell Company, which is going to come up here in a minute, uh becomes warden's partner and supplies all of the cedar wood for all of warden's you know lures that he was making at the time uh then coons takes over the business in 1908 1909 he, he, he renames the south bend dowell company to the south bend bait company uh and then after that of course 1915 they buy the bassarino or the wooden wobbler from uh, J.S. Olds, and he calls it the Bassarino. Now, if you look at a Bassarino, what does it look like, Ken? Uh, it, it's got a it's got a bit of a concave face. It looks like it would dive a little bit. Also, yeah. looks like it might be a, a slashing type topwater bait. Uh, mm -hmm. Might do a little bit of spitting and stuff like that. Uh, the interesting thing to me, Terry, is one of the earliest published accounts. In fact, the first published account of Maloney's state record from Michigan uh, referenced the Bassarino as a surface bait. 
And obviously yep. that's one way it can be fished, but not the mm -hmm. only way it can be fished. Right. Yeah. So to me, when you look at the Bassarino, it looks like a dished out dowel. There you go. But dowel, I should have said that. I know you're trying to lead me down the path, Terry. And I, I was just, trying to lead you, lead you down the path. I blew it. <laughs> That's all right. But yeah, no, it looks like a, a, a dished out dowel. Uh, the front of the bait, and I wish I had one. Uh, we'll have a picture of one that we'll be uh, posting with the video. Um, it's got a cupped out face uh, with, a, with a line tie at the top of the cup or the top of the, of the bait. Uh, two or, or it actually has three hooks on the back on two body hooks and then a, a hook at the tail uh and it it can be worked as a surface lure but you know just by twitching it uh it could be a wake bait you know s slowly winding it so it wobbles and then if you wind it quicker it'll go down to about two feet uh the the bait i was first introduced by my mentor dave green who actually came from michigan uh, and he either had that or he had a Dalton special on every morning, uh, that we ever went to Lake Kachuma or Lake Casitas. I mean, that is the bait that, and, and this was in the late seventies and, you know, through the mid eighties, uh, it was a bait that he had so much confidence in and the paint was worn off of it. Uh, it was probably a bait that he had bought in the fifties or the sixties. He threw it on 15 pound line and. And uh, he caught fish. I, I verified him catching fish with the damn thing. Uh, the, the bait, uh, it originally measured out at three and a half inches. Uh, and then around 1919, they changed the bait up a little bit. They added a quarter of an inch to it. Uh, and it ended up weighing three quarter ounces um, or three quarter ounce. And uh, I have a, happen to have a 1937 South Bend catalog here. And in that catalog are some all black and white pictures. I'll, I will find a, a color, but you can see the, the Bassarinos uh, in, that, in that image there. Now, now speaking of colors, of Terry, this is uh, the lure that Maloney used to catch this record Michigan largemouth is wildly popular. I would say probably through the 1950s and into the 1960s, but is not a color you see much of anymore. Tell us about no. the color. The, the color was, I mean, like you said, Ken. I mean, it, it, this is a color that started out with with Hedden. I mean, it, it it South Bend Creek Chub Bait Company. Everybody had a bait that was painted with a red body, or excuse me, a white body with a red head. Uh, there's only one manufacturer today that I know that makes a white with a redhead bait, and that is a, a version of the, the the Bomber Long A in the 15A size. It is and has been one of my favorite colors since the, the early 80s when the, the Long A came out. Um, it is a fish-catching color, and one of those colors that just makes me you know, throw my hands in the air. Why, why don't any, why doesn't anybody make this color anymore? Because it is so effective. And, and when they're on it, every single fish that you catch on it is, has eaten the bait by the head. Uh, it's like that red is just a magnet and it draws them into the head of the lure. Uh, you don't miss fish when they eat it. I'm amazed at how colors in particular, people, yeah, bass fishermen don't like to think of of themselves or their sport as being fashion conscious, but they are. 
Uh, <laughs> oh, only, yeah. Only, I, and I fall into that worm, trap myself. <laughs> yeah. You think about, let's talk about plastic worms for a moment, but two worm colors have really stood the test of time. Black, which was there from the beginning, basically, and green pumpkin, which came in in the 1980s through Zoom. Other yep. colors come and go. You know, we've seen we've seen different black, colors. Black, gray, purple. Black, gray. I mean, nobody, People nobody throws anymore. purple anymore. In 1973, <laughs> Bill Dance said any color worm is fine as long as it's blue. You, it, you will look in vain <laughs> for a blue plastic worm today. They didn't stop exactly. eating blue. They no. stopped making uh -uh. blue because people stopped buying it for some reason because other colors got yeah. hot. You know, white with a red head needs to make a comeback because, as you say, it's very effective. We know a yeah. little bit about the other tackle that Maloney used. We know he was using a head and rod, a Shakespeare reel, and Kingfisher line. And, and that information comes from the uh, field and stream fishing contest from 1934, which Maloney won for the uh, Northern Division. I yep. could not find a picture of Maloney with his fish. But the uh, interesting thing about that the, the contest that year is that the Michigan fish, which was in the northern division, beat the intermediate division, which was caught out of Arkansas, and it was only nine pounds. So go north. Go Yankees. <laughs> go Yankees. How dare you, sir? How dare you? Um you know, and, and and I, I, when we started talking about Maloney and his fish, I put the, the word record. I, I gave it some air quotes. Uh, so for those of you who are listening to this just as an audio version, you probably didn't see those air quotes, did you? But uh, the reason I, I put them in air quotes when I use the word record is because, you know, this was an era, the 1930s, uh, pretty much all around the country, when there were very few official state records. Very, very few. And Michigan was, was one of those states. Um, one of the earliest reports on the Maloney fish came out of the Chicago Daily Tribune, not even out of the state of Michigan, but out of the Chicago Daily Tribune in September of 1934. And that story said, as far as our records are concerned, we have no line of a largemouth of that weight having been caught in nearby waters in recent years. They weren't calling it a record of any kind. They're just saying, hey, mm -hmm. this is the biggest one we've heard of. Uh, not just in, in Michigan, perhaps, but also Illinois and, and other states in the Midwest. In Ohio, a, Indiana. Blah, blah, yeah. Blah, yeah. A month later, the Detroit Free Press said the catch, quote, probably established a new record for bass in Michigan, end quote. Not did establish a new record, probably, because nobody was keeping records. Uh, right. A couple of years after it was caught in June, the Detroit Free Press came out again and said, chances are that the all-time Michigan bass record was established in 1934 by William Maloney of Grand Rapids. More, not not a definitive statement that it's a record, just saying yeah. we don't know of a bigger one. And, uh, and, and no less an authority, Terry, than the Petoskey Evening News from Petoskey, <laughs> Michigan. And you know we're not making it up because I've never heard of Petoskey. Uh, the best yeah. largemouth bass ever taken in Michigan came from Big Pine Lake in Kent County, and it weighed 1115. Uh, so you got a lot of authorities there or, or media outlets there saying that this is the biggest fish out of Michigan, but nobody's saying it definitively because nobody is actually maintaining fishing records at this point in the state. Right. I mean, it, it, it's a field and stream thing, right? Um, and, and the interesting thing is that they're talking about it 20 years later, you know, it's caught in 32 and that last record uh, that you found, you know, came from 1952. So yeah. it's still on the minds of everybody. 
And if a fish that was bigger was caught during that time, it would have made big news, I believe. It would have made news because this is an era when, when first of all, there are a lot more newspapers out there. A lot yep. more newspapers. A, a, a major city like Detroit or Chicago might have had Grand Rapids, five, six, Lansing, eight newspapers at that time. And even the smallest yep. towns would have a newspaper or two, maybe a morning paper and an evening paper. So somebody would have covered it. And it just wasn't getting, uh, there, there just weren't other larger fish being reported at that point. Um, right. The fishery where Maloney caught the fish was called Big Pine Island Lake. It's in Kent County, Michigan, which is northeast of Grand Rapids, which lies just east of Lake Michigan. And, um, uh, you know, it's uh, Big Pine Island Lake only measures about 223 surface acres. So it's small. It's um, and, and that's not another unusual. One them, in, in another one of them small the, lakes. <laughs> exactly. And looking at all the lakes that have produced state records through the years, and I'm talking specifically about largemouth records here because typically the, the smallmouth and spotted uh, record producers are bigger, but the largemouth record producers tend to be very small. And I wouldn't be surprised if the average size wasn't right around this 223 surface acre mark. Had a maximum depth of about 45 feet. It's open to the public. Um so that's not unusual that a small lake mm -hmm. like Big Pine Island Lake would produce a giant fish like this. Right. We know, yeah. I, I wish I knew a lot more about the guy who caught this fish, uh, William J. Maloney of Grand Rapids, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Terry, you know how much I like to dive into the, uh, the history and, and, and get as much information as I can about the anglers. I don't know why, but that fascinates me. Um, I can't be 100% sure that William J. Maloney of Grand Rapids, Michigan is exactly the guy I think he is. But my best effort in looking through newspaper reports of the era, looking through uh, uh, genealogy websites and so forth, says that uh, our Bill Maloney was born on the 4th of July of 1892 in Monterey Township, Allegan County, Michigan, which is not far from Grand Rapids. So it makes sense that he would have been born, born near there. He'd have been mm -hmm. 41 years old when he caught the state record. Uh, the man was married. He had five children, including a son who was an aviator in the U.S. military and who died in Europe in World War II. Uh, and if Maloney's the guy I think he was, he died in December of 1971, also in Grand Rapids, Michigan, at the age of 79. So I think that's our Bill Maloney, but I can't be 100% sure. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you can only do what you can do. Um... You know, we don't have years to, or, or a way to, you know, find family or anything like that. So but. yeah, when you get a situation like uh, Maloney's not an uncommon name, William is an extremely common name. So you add the two yep. up, and you're not really working with a lot of a rarity there, which helps and makes it a lot easier to do the search. But yep. uh, you know, Maloney catches this record fish in 1934. Uh, 25 years later, the record is not broken. It is tied. Imagine the odds of that. What are the odds? <laughs> Another 1115 comes That's out of insane. Michigan. It is insane. And we got. <laughs> and if you're playing the drink, if you're taking, playing the Terry Battisti drinking game, you got to take a you're shot. You're not going right to get drunk. You're I don't not know. Get drunk. It's early, yeah, it's early. <laughs> we're, only, we're barely into this show. Uh, but the record gets tied in 59. Uh, an angler by the name of Jack Rorix does it. And, and he catches a fish, Terry, and I want to get your insights into this because you're you're the master 
when it comes to the, the math and the details on the measurements of these fish. Uh, Rorex's fish is 26 inches long. That's an inch shorter than the Maloney fish. Rorex's fish is 22 and a half inches in girth. That is three and a quarter inches less than the Maloney fish. Plus, let's not forget, the Maloney fish was supposedly stuffed with bullfrogs and a bluegill. And, and the early report uh, of the catch said, when that fish grabbed Maloney's bassarino plug, his greed proved his undoing. So Maloney's fish is longer, girthier, stuffed to the rafters with bait. And yet, this Rorex fish allegedly weighs the same. You, we don't know what was in the Rorex fish's gut. Uh, that's true. They, that's they didn't. True. They didn't do a biopsy or you know autopsy on the thing like they did uh, with Maloney's fish. Could I have mean, been on it, the Defresco diet. Could have been on the Defresco diet. Dive weights. It could have had a dive weight in it. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I, I don't think it did. Uh, just based on the fact that, you know, I mean, yeah, okay, yeah, you're gonna have cheaters. I mean, you know, the the the, the Dale Hollow, David Hayes fish was, you know, supposedly, you know, doctored up and which was, we, we debunked, uh, or I should say you debunked, uh, but there was a lot of people claiming cheating at that point. Uh, that was, you know, four years before this fish, but we did, we did, you together, know, Dr. Batisti, we debunked together. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, if you look at the spread of the 10 to 12 to 13 pound fish in their girth and length measurements it is unbelievably wide which is it which is what makes it incredibly difficult uh to develop a weight estimation formula um you know you these fish could be you know denser for some reason uh like i said before rorex did not do an autopsy on that fish to see what was in its gut uh you know what time of year it was caught it was caught in september which you know throws out the the spawn uh because that fish is no doubt a female um you know maybe it maybe it had gorged itself with you know m m more bullfrogs and a 14 inch bluegill there you go now you're talking i don't know uh you know <laughs> well when, when when rorex caught the fish he too entered it into the detroit free press fishing contest and and he won that contest as well uh just as maloney had done 25 years earlier and uh his comments to the detroit free press when when he was uh uh questioned about the catch he said i fished for 25 years and fished those waters of bamfield dam for 12 years but never did i catch a fish like this I've caught a few seven and eight pounders there, which were bragging fish, but this 11 pound, 15 ounce lunker takes the cake. And yeah. my favorite one, my favorite quote from Rorix, Terry, uh, as is so often the case, is one where he talks about the length of the fight. Um, these guys <laughs> almost invariably uh, point to lengthy, lengthy battles on the end of a rod and reel. Uh, Rorex said, when the big fellow hit, he took about 30 or 40 feet of spinning line, came up once, then sank down deep and stayed there a long time. How long? I don't know. But I waited him out. And finally, I was able to bring him to the boat. Now, I'm going to add something to that. Uh, I just got done fishing uh, down in Florida after ICAST. And I would say... Pray tell. 
I would say, yeah, I went, I went fishing down there. And uh, I, one of our listeners and a dear friend of both of ours, uh, Bill Sonnet, who will probably be watching this, uh, gifted me a couple of reels. Uh, I have a couple of old rods. I actually, for more than half the time I was in the boat, was throwing a, I don't know the date of the reel. It was made between 1927 and 1964. Uh, so let's just pick 1940. Uh, 1940 Langley lure cast reel on uh, probably a 1950 uh, action rod, fiber, one of the first tubular fiberglass rods ever made. I was fishing that with uh, what I believe is was new in box, old stock, 12-pound braided Dacron line from the 1940s uh, and a 1980s era P70 Rebel Popper. And I probably caught greater than 25 fish on that damn Popper on that rod and reel. And the fish weren't big. They were anywhere from one and a half to two and three quarter pounds. But I tell you, I had to fight those fish completely different uh, than I would if I had fought them on modern gear. So now I'm. Th this has changed my my calculus on determining the lengths of some of these, you know, stories that we're we're getting with how long it's taken people to get fish in, uh, because that that line that I was using and the rod that I was using, and even the reel. Uh, I mean, I, I set the hook on, on, on one of the fish. I think it was maybe my sixth or seventh fish and forgot that the reel didn't have uh, any reverse. So you got a, yeah. got a, 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 a up close and personal experience with a knuckle buster. Uh, got my, yeah, definitely. Uh, with that, uh, it, next thing I know, I've got tight with the fish because I've got this rat's nest of, you know, line and, some bald eagles started circling overhead, trying to nest in my reel. Uh, yeah, it, it was a different time back then, and, and it's no longer that way. Uh, you know, I mean, we're we're seeing people bring in 18, 19 pound fish in in less than a minute. Um, I don't I don't think they could do that back then. So there's a data point for you, and everybody else out there that's that's listening and watching. Well, you're fishing. Uh pretty old stuff and and Rorex's fish was caught in September of 1959 we don't know what he was using for for bait or as a lure uh, can't find a report on that but he was fishing a spinning outfit and his line was 12 pound test monofilament uh, there are pictures of the Rorex fish and we've shown you that fish already but we'll show you again right here and as we pointed out he did win that 1959 Detroit Free Press fishing contest um, and, and and it's not until 1968, you know, nine years after the Rorex catch and 34 years after the Maloney catch that we see an actual reference to these fish being state records. Uh, there's a story in, in a Battle Creek newspaper in May of 1968 uh, where it references the Maloney catch and the Rorex catch. And he says, any argument with these records? Take it up with the conservation department. They are from its files. So it took a yeah. long time before before anybody started to acknowledge these things 
as actual record catches. Yep. Yep. So why don't you tell us a bit about the fishery? Yeah, Bamfield Dam, um, the name has changed. It was named for a, a nearby road, Bamfield Road, uh, but it's now known as Alcona Dam, and it's on the Osable River in Oscoda County, Michigan. It was completed in 1924, so um, by the time Rorix caught his fish, it was already uh, 35 years old. The angler, we know a little bit about him. I can tell you his street address. In 1959, he was living at 8375 Military Street in Detroit. Uh, I think Jack Rorex was born in 1920 in Stevenson, Alabama, uh, which is right up in that northeast corner, uh, which abuts Georgia and Tennessee. Uh, he had been 39 years old when he caught the state record, married with three kids. And I believe he died in, in June of 2013 in Detroit and at the age of 93. And, and I believe this is our, our Jack Rorex because I think in that era, it would have been pretty common for a, a rural Southerner to, to try to find a, a job in a place like Detroit where there was so much industry going on, where the car industry was thriving yep. in the 1940s and 50s when he would have been uh, coming into adulthood. So I don't think it's unusual that a guy from middle of nowhere alabama goes up to detroit starts to work in the auto industry loves his fishing that he probably picked up as a young man in alabama and of course yep. you know he's got to catch a state record yep. but but now let's shift gears because you know we, we see in 1968 the first reference to these fish as being state records and in 1973 terry just a weird weird catch starts yeah. to make the news <laughs> and i include this only out of curiosity because i just think it's bizarre uh, a woman named uh, marguerite jones of lansing michigan is out fishing i believe at some private lakes in montcalm county and she catches a fish that weighs six pounds ten and a half ounces this fish is more than five pounds off the state records why and even yet, mention it yeah exactly why do i mention it i'll tell you why terry batisti <laughs> i mention it because the Michigan Department of Natural Resources recognized this fish as the fourth biggest largemouth bass in their record books. It's six pounds, ten and a half ounces, and yet they say it's number four. And I think that's just that's bizarre. Crazy. It is crazy. Yeah. I'd I'd go a step further, Terry. What, no. What's it? What's a Ma notch higher? Amazing. No, amazing? it's not higher than in amazing. Nuts. It's insane. <laughs> it's insane um <laughs> so i i don't know marguerite jones congrats on your on your six pounder nice fish should it ever yeah. be considered the fourth biggest in the state i mean i i caught I a, a seven pounder in michigan back in 1986 there you go i mean See, you might have been you might have been fourth. It, it, jordan, jordan fourth. lake in lake odessa township i mean only mackerel <laughs> what are these people thinking Come on, DNR. Know. That's that's a weird <laughs> weird thing. I, I hope it's no longer in the top ten of Michigan But the the, 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 the next fish is the really confusing one. Yeah, and we're so. gonna have to we're gonna have to get back into this one on a later date because um, I really got into this story looking to looking to learn more about the Maloney and Rorex bass from 1934 and 1959, the ones that 
that are the current state record. But in 1982, uh, an angler by the name of Dan Fitzgerald from Tecumseh, Michigan, uh, allegedly caught a fish that weighed 12 pounds, 15 and a half ounces, a full pound more pound. than the yep. state record. This fish was supposedly 26 inches long, um, caught, you know, during the spawn, apparently, or pre-spawn, and the angler, uh, Fitzgerald, said an inch and a half of its tail had been worn off. Not sure I've ever yeah. seen an inch and a half of a tail worn off of a spawning bass, but okay, I don't know how. Once it's worn off, how do you measure what was originally there? Exactly. <laughs> you know? Thank you. That's an excellent point. <laughs> uh, the, the rope was four feet long, but it was originally seven and a half. How do you know? How do you know? Yeah. Uh, the girth was twenty-two and a half inches. Um, he caught this fish on on eleven S Rapala floating minnow, so it's silver with a black back. I've yet to find a picture of this fish, but I'm I'm working on that. Um, haven't, I know the fish was caught from someplace called Wampler's Lake, uh, yeah. Wampler's Lake, which is in Jackson and Lenawee counties. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, and, and what makes me kind of, uh, first of all, this fish was, according to newspapers, this fish was confirmed as the Michigan state record largemouth on July 8th, 1982. And yet, if you look at the record books today, Michigan is still recognizing those fish from 1934 and 1959. They're not calling yeah. the Fitzgerald fish a record. If you know yeah. something about this, uh, by all means, uh, shoot us a note, put a comment, uh, give us a lead, because I want to get to the bottom of this Fitzgerald fish, which was apparently in the books, now out of the books. I want to find out why. But uh, what, what really makes me skeptical of this fish is the fact that Fitzgerald uh, was a taxidermist <laughs> and and a taxidermist would, can, <laughs> can easily come up that? with can easily come up with pretty much any size fish he wants on demand uh -huh. and the biggest trophy scam artist i've ever seen terry batisti by far the most wildly outrageous claimant of gigantic fish i've ever seen or heard of was a taxidermist from georgia uh back in the uh in the 80s and maybe into the the 90s uh just completely incredible in the true sense of the word as in not credible um was just a, a total fraud and and i don't know about dan fitzgerald i'm trying to figure out if he's the same dan fitzgerald who was known for for uh hunting programs that he ran and and things like that but i want to i want to get to the bottom of this uh dan fitzgerald story and if you got a lead on that please please let me know yep Yep. Yeah, it's uh What do you think, Terry? A, should it, we be it, should we be skeptical of taxidermists? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Especially if they're claiming that they caught the fish. Because like you say, they can you know, they get they get fish all the time, right? I mean they're flown if that Very taxidermist true. is is uh is well known uh for a specific species of, of game or fish, uh people will send them their trophy from ship state to state i mean it's it, it's that is a great observation i hadn't even thought about yeah. it from that i was thinking more on the perspective of he could take uh he could he could manipulate something but i'm not saying that dan fitzgerald did anything wrong uh, as far as i know dan fitzgerald has been has been wronged here and he should have yeah. the state record i don't know yeah 
I just want to find out more because these are the kind of big bass stories that that really fascinate me. The ones where there's a lot of undercurrents and and not a lot of stuff gets said openly. Uh, but there's I'm just glad this is the big bass podcast and not the big musky podcast because oh I don't want to step. <laughs> you talk about hate and discontent and you know. Yeah, you know, we have little things like this to, to worry about. Um, nothing compared to what's gone on in the musky realm for the past 40 years. Well, the, the musky world is is really interesting, though. That guy, I can't remember his last name now, Louis something, the guy who claimed three world mm -hmm. record muskies. Yeah. That's that's an adult dose of, of musky claims right there. Um, mm -hmm. He even has he even has an inscription on his tombstone, I believe, about his musky claims. Um, another story for another podcast, but yeah, uh, the the musky world record that's that's fascinating and shaky stuff right there. That's a yeah. shaky foundation. This this Fitzgerald fish should be pretty easy to figure out. <laughs> once, yeah, but once we dive down the rabbit hole. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, as I said, when we started researching for this story, we were digging into the 34 and, and 59 catches. We were digging into the Bass Areno. And this thing just kind of popped up. It just popped up late. And and, and it's just a, it's a blip on that radar screen uh, yep. from the 80s. And, and I don't want to learn more. And, and hopefully we will, especially folks with, with your help. Uh, Terry, your takeaways on the Wolverine State and their largemouth bass record. I, I think they have a respectable, you know, largemouth bass record. Uh, I think it's it's neat that that you know it hasn't been broken, or maybe it has uh, since '59, um, '34. It, it, it is a big fish that comes out of a state that's frozen over for you know three months a year. Um, I fished Michigan. I fished all over the state between the years of 86 and 91. And, uh, they have phenomenal fishing there because of what the DNR has done. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've had heck, you know, weighed in 18, 19, 20 pound limits there, you know, in tournaments and, and, uh, you know, a fish of 11 pounds, 15 ounces is, it's a heck of a fish, and it, it's a for for a state that that is that far north, they should be proud of of having a fish that's essentially twelve pounds as a record. And hey, I'm grateful for the Dan Fitzgerald story, the the taxidermist who claims a fish that's a full pound and a half ounce bigger than the state record. Because I want no state to have to be without conflict. I want every state to have conflict. <laughs> And, just the and shit skepticism <laughs> and you know drama because that's that's what we buy we just dig into that man that's i'm all about that uh yep. but for now folks uh it's time to slam the door on this episode of the big bass podcast on the michigan state record largemouth i want to thank you for joining us uh, we know your time is valuable and we appreciate your spending some of it with us if you like the show please hit the like and subscribe buttons if you really liked it please share it with your friends and help us a lot. If you're a big bass junkie like Terry and I are, Nathan, check out our website at thebigbasspodcast.com. You'll find our Big Bass Podcast calculator, which is good for fish over 14 and a half pounds. And we also have lists of state record largemouth, smallmouth, and spotted bass. 
If you'd like to contact us, and we'd love for you to do that, you can reach us via email at ken at thebigbasspodcast.com, terry at thebigbasspodcast.com, and nathan at thebigbasspodcast.com. We really would like to hear from you on that uh, Dan Fitzgerald, Michigan state record largemouth story. That would be a really illuminating. I would get such a kick out of that. Meanwhile, please join us again next week when we'll bring another story to you about another big bass that you will not and cannot find anywhere else. And remember, size matters. <laughs>